What's up, Cyber and Crypto World? Hope everybody's having a great Monday. Today is January the 25th of 2021. And this is the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions on this podcast are just my opinions and don't reflect the opinions of my employer. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. All right, so we got a lot of crazy stuff happening in the cybersecurity space over the last week or so. More fallout from the good old solar winds breach. We got some, also some pretty interesting stuff from SonicWall as well. Some privacy-related stuff uh, in relation to the security company called ADT. Probably heard of them for their alarm monitoring stuff. And of course, we're also going to talk about some cryptocurrency-related stuff. We'll talk about how the market's doing, uh, some new listings on Coinbase, and the Ethereum train seems to be taking off here as well. Uh, Also going to touch on Malwarebytes. If you didn't see the news about them, uh, they were also part of the SolarWinds breach as well. Also want to talk a little bit about DNS over HTTPS or DNS over TLS, depending on how you want to use it. And some interesting stuff that the NSA said about using either one of those to encrypt your DNS traffic. So we'll talk about that as well. So probably the biggest news over the last couple days is from SonicWall. And if you didn't see this news, then you might want to check it out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But they got hacked, and hackers were basically using some uh, zero-day flaws in its VPN product, and they were able to hack into SonicWall's internal systems. They're saying that the VPN products that were affected were called NetExtender VPN Client, version 10. And let's see what else. Uh, If you're using that NetExtender VPN Client and you're connecting to SMA 100 series appliances and SonicWall firewalls, then you were affected by this. Also looks like Secure Mobile Access, SMA version 10.x running on SMA 200, SMA 210, 400, and 410 physical appliances, and the SMA 500V virtual appliance. Those were all apparently affected by these zero days. So this this story gets a little deeper too. Apparently SonicWall was hit with some ransomware and hackers were able to steal customer data and forced the company's internal systems to shut down on Tuesday last week. And the hackers uh, notified the uh, SonicWall folks that they stole its source code from SonicWall's GitLab repository. So that's pretty scary stuff there as well. Now, SonicWall didn't say what kind of ransomware it was. Uh, They also didn't say what kind of data may have been compromised, but the ransomware folks came out and and told everybody. So that was kind of interesting. SonicWall's mitigation for this particular zero day, or these, I guess, multiple zero days here, they're saying to only allow the VPN connections uh, from whitelisted IP addresses. So that's kind of interesting here. So apparently there's not a patch or anything out just yet. Now, of course, one of the things that everybody should be doing on any kind of VPN connection is, guess what? Multi-factor, right? I mean, if you're not using multi-factor on your VPN connections, uh, that's a big no-no. And 
I sure as heck hope that Sonic Wall was using multi-factor, but apparently not, since hackers got access to their internal network. So pretty scary stuff on the Sonic Wall side there. Um, that's a pretty targeted attack, but I'm, I'm going to guess that it was probably somewhat related to the ransomware, although I'm just speculating here. But it sure does seem like those two were kind of correlated. And, um, you know, the ransomware nowadays, they not only encrypt your files and a lot of the things on your network, they try to steal your files too and steal anything sensitive that they can. And that's where it gets really, really hairy because if you're not going to pay the ransom just because they encrypted your files, well, they're going to try to get you to pay the ransom before they leak all your sensitive data. So that's kind of twofold now with ransomware. It's not just encrypting files and, hey, pay me to decrypt. It's pay me to not release these sensitive files on the web. And we're seeing more and more and more of that. And that's kind of the new approach uh, with most of the ransomware now is to hold your ransom in multiple different ways. Now, I know sonic walls are very popular with uh, MSPs and, you know, small businesses and things like that. So certainly unfortunate, uh, but if you use any kind of sonic wall products and you're using their VPN clients, time to get ready to put multi-factor on if you don't already have that and make sure you're only connecting from whitelisted IP addresses and don't let any other connections through on the VPNs. So pretty wild stuff there. I haven't seen an update uh, to this article in a couple of days here, this the one I'm looking at came out on the 23rd. So waiting to see if there's any more fallout from that. But either way, if you're using SonicWall products, um, make sure that you're putting in some mitigations to avoid being breached as well. Speaking of ransomware and not only encrypting your files, but holding your ransom with your data as well and leaking it, um, there was apparently a ransomware attack on the Scottish Environment Protection Agency. And they had their data published on the internet, uh, all the stolen files that the ransomware folks stole from them because they refused to pay the ransom. And that's just one very recent example of it. And again, this is, this is the new trend. So they're going to try to get their money one way or the other. Some of the other big... Uh, biggest news over the last week or so, ADT and the employee of ADT that was watching the cameras uh, of the security systems that they were monitoring and doing so inappropriately, of course, and watching people in their most vulnerable moments, so on and so forth. And of course, this guy was finally caught, thankfully, but wow, I mean, you want to talk about a breach of privacy uh, he apparently was accessing over 200 accounts, uh, various customer accounts, and he did so about 9,600 times without consent over a almost five-year period. So that's pretty scary to think that this guy was getting away with that for five years-ish, and nobody caught it until apparently just recently. So, so this... ADT employee, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name because uh, I'll butcher it, but he would basically take note when there were attractive women at a home that he serviced in the Dallas area. And he would add his personal email address 
to their accounts so he could have around-the-clock access to their most private moments. So uh, this guy is now facing up to five years in federal prison, and ho hopefully that's enough jail time for the guy. But apparently on April 23rd, I guess this was of 2019, I'm going to assume, a customer called to report an unauthorized email address on their account and that's how they uncovered all of this so now do you trust adt anymore <laughs> wow certainly scary and it really takes me back to you know having any kind of cameras on a cloud-based system that somebody else either sets up for you or can monitor for you don't put a camera in your bedroom, you know? I mean, that alone is probably just weird. I don't know why you'd want a camera in your bedroom. Uh, but if you absolutely have to have cameras in every room of your entire house, then don't let somebody else monitor all those cameras for you. Now, they do have cameras that you can buy and you know, set up to where they record internally and nobody has access to. Uh, Ubiquity has some cameras that do that and you can research those if you like. Um, those are those are pretty nice cameras as well. They're not cheap, but, you know, then there are other cloud services where you can set it up yourself and put multi-factor on it and, you know, Netgear, Arlo, I've seen those a lot around lately. But, when you let somebody else set it up for you, there could be that risk that they're going to do something malicious with it. And just like this guy did, he added himself to 200 some odd accounts from ADT. And uh, that's just, it's uncalled for and, and scary all at the same time, but a huge breach of privacy. And, you know, he was obviously doing it just to catch people in their most vulnerable moments. But I don't know why anybody would want cameras inside their house uh, for this exact reason. I mean, if you're going to have somebody else monitor your cameras, only put up external cameras. I mean, you're going to see the people coming and going, hopefully, if they're going to break into your house. And at least they're not going to catch you inside your house walking around naked or something crazy, right? Or worse, you know, being intimate or whatever. You know, this guy was apparently watching all that kind of stuff and... That's where it's just, it's sad. But the fact that this guy could do this for almost five years and just now get caught last year, that's pretty bad. Pretty bad. It's unfortunate, too. Uh, you'd think that there'd be some sort of mechanism for ADT to catch stuff like this. But I'm sure there is now. But, uh, yeah, certainly scary stuff there. So if you're going to get cameras... Make sure that you're either setting them up yourself or if somebody sets it up for you, log into the account, check all the details, make sure there's no additional accounts, some sort of backdoor accounts, and then make sure you put multi-factor on it. Because we've seen with uh, like Ring video doorbells, for example, I think it was last year, there's a bunch of you know Ring doorbells getting hacked and because people didn't have multi-factor set up, so... Got to have multi-factor on those cameras, uh, unless you just really don't care, which I'd be surprised, um, especially if they're in cameras inside your house. So if somebody's going to set it up for you, check the accounts, 
Make sure that you're the only one on there that has access. Set up multi-factor. Make sure there's no back doors, nothing like that. And just try to protect your privacy as best you can. Better yet, get some gear that records internally. And you, know, you don't have to worry about this kind of thing happening to you. But ADT has been a trusted security company for goodness knows how long. And they've been around forever, it seems like. And most people have trusted them. And this is a huge blow to that trust. So I'm sure it'll take a while for them to regain the trust of all their customers again. And ADT did say that they came out and uh, contacted all those that were affected by this. I'm sure there'll be some sort of compensation or settlement, you know, outside of the courts uh, that we may or may not see. That's just my assumption, at least. But crazy stuff there. So be careful with those cameras and people monitoring your your cameras and security systems for you. Uh, there can always be that insider threat that, you know, you, nobody may see them for a while, but it just takes that one person who's determined to do something bad and yeah, they may get away with it for a long time, as we saw here. All right, the other big cybersecurity news, Malwarebytes. The, I, I, I've used Malwarebytes quite a bit personally when I worked at an MSP. Somebody get a virus on their machine and Malwarebytes in combination with a couple other tools were kind of the only tools that would ever get rid of the virus. But they were a part of the Orion slash SolarWinds breach and they released a public statement about it and all that kind of good stuff. What was interesting though about the articles that I read, uh, Malwarebytes said that they were a victim of the SolarWinds hackers, but they weren't targeted through the SolarWinds Orion platform, which is interesting. So I'm not sure how they correlated the two, but they said that they were targeted by the same threat actor as the folks that targeted SolarWinds. Malwarebytes said that you know, they didn't use the Orion network management system, but the threat actors, I love, I love these terms, threat actors, uh, <laughs> abused applications with privileged access to Office 365 and Azure environments. Specifically, they, they said it was uh, some sort of an email protection application. Um, they apparently don't say what kind of email protection application, but again, this is targeted all through Office 365 and Azure. Now, they said that the hackers, or excuse me, threat actors... <laughs> may have gained access by password guessing or password spraying in addition to exploiting administrative or service credentials. So here's one more reason to make sure that if you have service accounts that connect to Office 365, they better have gigantic passwords and they better be completely random. And ideally, you would rotate those passwords using a, a privileged access management tool Something like CyberArk, there are a lot of others out there. Uh, Thycotic, I think, is another one. Uh, but anyway, privileged access management uh, could have helped prevent some of this, but also multi-factor if you can on those uh, service accounts. If you're using service accounts for scripting, then definitely just want to have a way to rotate that password or make sure it is a gigantic password that is not easily guessed or brute-forced. And they're saying in the case uh, for Malwarebytes, the threat actor added a self-signed cert with credentials to the service principal account. 
Uh, from there, they authenticated using the key to make API calls to request emails via Microsoft Graph. So certainly interesting stuff there. The good news, if you want to call it good news, is that um, at least according to Malwarebytes, uh, they did say that limited there's a limited subset of internal company emails that they got a hold of, uh, but there was no evidence of unauthorized access or compromise uh, to the internal on-premises and production environments. And they also said that they don't use Azure cloud services in their production environments. So that's good. Uh, Malwarebytes also said that they went through all their source code and build and delivery processes and showed no evidence of unauthorized access or compromise. So with, with all this said, I mean, yes, Malwarebytes was hacked. They got a few internal emails. At least the software, the Malwarebytes software was not compromised and hacked. Uh, like the Orion's uh, Orion platform was from SolarWinds, but nonetheless, that's um, certainly scary to see that the same hacker group attacked Malwarebytes using completely different techniques, um, and were able to gain some sort of access to them. So it makes you wonder how how much more how how much further does this go? And I still think we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg here and there's going to be a lot more fallout my suspicion at least but you can add malware bytes as well now to the list of affected companies and it wasn't even through the orion uh, platform there so with all the government agencies and whatnot that were potentially affected too and now other companies that weren't even running solar winds products were just outright hacked is um, certainly scary to see so makes you wonder what, what Russia's after there. <laughs> Allegedly Russia, sorry. All right, moving along here. DNS over HTTPS or DOH or DNS over TLS. Depends on what you want to use. But they're saying now that uh, the Department of Homeland Security and the NSA are both now saying that you should not use DNS over HTTPS or DNS over TLS. And the reason is because of the SolarWinds hack. They're saying that if you're encrypting all of that DNS traffic, that your firewall can't see that traffic. It just looks like encrypted gibberish. And therefore, it may get past some of your security controls. You know, if you're feeding logs into a SIM, uh, but everything's just encrypted, obviously your SIM's not going to see it either. So you either have to have a way of decrypting that DNS traffic before it goes out, or just not using these two protocols at all. And so the NSA is saying don't use it. So I thought that was kind of interesting more than anything. I'm not sure a lot of folks have even jumped on this bandwagon yet. I mean, I can see it for personal use, for sure, for privacy, uh, more than anything, that you would want to enable uh, DNS over HTTPS and just protect, you know, your DNS traffic. That way your ISP can't see all that stuff or, you know, anybody doing some sort of man in the middle attack wouldn't be able to see what websites you're going to. Um, that all stays private and secured and encrypted. So I can see the, the use case for it on the privacy side of things. Um, in the business world, though, you know, if you're a large corporation and you're monitoring for security threats, I completely agree with the NSA that 
you know, especially in wake of the solar wind stuff, you know, they were exfiltrating data using DNS apparently and all kinds of other crazy stuff that we haven't seen before really at all. And, you know, so if you're, if all your DNS traffic was encrypted, you may never have seen that they were doing all this crazy stuff. So certainly interesting that NSA came out though and said not to use it, (laughs) but, uh, I can see it on the privacy side. So maybe for personal use, it's a good idea to, to turn that on in your browser if you can. Uh, but for business cases, definitely not ideal, especially if you're trying to monitor for, for bad guys there. So I will post the full NSA article in the show notes if you want to read through all that. But just thought that was interesting more than anything. All right, jumping over to cryptocurrency. Kind of a crossover story here. There's an Indian cryptocurrency exchange called Bayou Coin, and they were hacked, of course. <laughs> and it released uh, the hackers stole sensitive data of 325,000 users, and this included know your customer related information, so your passport numbers, your identity information, all that kind of good jazz. Uh, But they also got names, email addresses, phone numbers, encrypted passwords, user wallet details, uh, order details, bank details, and of course the KYC stuff. Pretty crazy stuff there. Apparently the hacker group responsible for this is called Shiny Hunters. Interesting name there. But they've been doing this kind of stuff on other well-known English-speaking forums uh, they apparently got data from an e-grocer called Big Basket, an educational company called Unacademy, and a payment aggregator called JustPay. So BuyUCoin is, of course, investigating the issue, but it just shows that you got to be careful with these, any kind of startup exchanges, but even bigger exchanges too. I mean, we saw Binance get they so binance itself wasn't hacked but there was definitely a large subset of users of binance that were hacked and they basically hackers took over multiple binance accounts logged logged into them all at once and transferred a bunch of data out or money out excuse me all at once uh, this of course is uh, they didn't say how they were hacked but the exchange itself was hacked and the database of the users of that exchange was hacked as well. Other cryptocurrency related news. We're seeing the prices of Ethereum start to bounce up today. Kind of started last night on an upward trend. Looking pretty good. We hit uh, $1,477 earlier today. Right now Ethereum is trading around uh, $1,398. So that's pretty good for Ethereum, bouncing up around the 1400 mark again. Uh, Bitcoin staying steady between, you know, we've seen it bounce all the way down to 31 and then all the way up to 35. Right now it's at 33.8. Uh, earlier today it was at 34,800. So definitely seeing some big uptrends today in the market. So that's good news for everybody out there. We're seeing a lot of the altcoins start to move upwards as well. All in all, good news on the crypto front, and hopefully we'll see some more uptrending this week. Although I do expect a little more of a correction in the market. I don't know if it's going to happen 
this week or not, but altcoins are starting to pump a little bit, and we're certainly going to see another correction in the altcoins. And uh, I think Bitcoin's already had its correction. There might be another big one if we take another big leg up uh, above 40K again, but we'll see if we actually touch that number again. And if we do, and we get above 40,000, there will, of course, be another correction that'll get us back down into the 30s again. But all the other cryptos seem to follow Bitcoin pretty closely, and we'll see those kind of trending right along with it typically. But the altcoins right now are the ones that are that are getting the big boost while Bitcoin's kind of staying stagnant. And that's kind of usually the way it works. Bitcoin will pump real big, have a correction, and then the altcoins will pump real big, have a correction, and it just repeats itself. So if you can catch things at the right time, you can make some good money on it. So that's all I got for today, folks. Uh, again, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. So check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the stuff that we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon.